All right, uh, last week we kind of started a series without really calling it a series, and uh, we were talking about who are we following, and uh, we was looking at who do we put in front of us, who's influencing us, and uh, no matter where we're at, no matter how much do we want to be to ourselves, you know, we were designed to be with each other. We are connected as brothers and sisters, as humans. We are connected all under the family of God. And uh, no matter if we choose to be or not, we are constantly being influenced by the people around us. And like I said, last week we talked about who are we following today. And all of this comes to where we're going. How are we getting to the, the future, the hope? the destination that God has for us. See, God has everything lined up. He has a plan for our lives. But yet, we have to choose to follow that plan. We have to choose to take these paths. And the people that we associate with, that determines how we're going to get there and if we're going to get there. Because even though God has these plans, nothing is set because we have our free will. We have to choose to want to follow God. And that's everything he has for us. That's our plans and everything. So as we go upon this journey that we call life, we see who's in front of us, who's leading us. Now we're going to see who's coming with us. And that's the title of today's message. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to get into your word today, Father. We thank you that we can get to get into this, Father. We ask you to open our hearts and minds to receive it. And just take myself out of the way, Father, and let your true message shine through. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. And uh, let's look at Deuteronomy 7, 3 and 5. Neither shall shall make marriages with them, nor daughter shall not give none to thy son, nor his daughter shall he take unto thy son, for they will turn away thy sons from following me, and that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. And uh, I had to catch that, that fourth verse there to go with that third verse. So we see the context of what we're talking about. See, as I was doing my, my study in for this week, I could have did a completely uh, different message using these same scriptures with a totally different uh, subject matter and we could have called it out of context because it just so happens that some of the scriptures I picked out today is greatly used out of context to serve world views and uh, that's just was a coincidence or the organization of, of God's word and shows how things fit together but this was a, a common, verse 3 is commonly taken out of context. But the point being is, is that God's giving instruction. And it has nothing to do with the, the race or nationality of a person. It has to do with their belief system. Because God tells us that we are to be evenly yoked. We have to have a similar foundation if we're going to make things work 
in marriage. You know, we go through this whole dating process, and that is to, to get to know someone, to get to know what their core beliefs are, what their outlook for the future is, because we want to align these things. And your religious beliefs should be numero uno, right there at the top. Because you can't be unevenly yoked and be able to have a successful marriage. And many times, as we're going through a dating process, we tend to overlook these things. And we say that, well, it's not going to be important, or perhaps we can change them because there's other things that influence us more. How we feel, you know, how we like the way someone looks. And we, we tend to push these things aside, and it's like, well, we'll worry about that later, we'll worry about that down the road. But, you know, when you, uh, as a, a counselor, as a religious counselor, you, these are questions you want to ask. What do you believe? Because what is that going to look like in a union when one person believes, but one person believes in something else? How does that function? How do you work as a, a unit? How does two become one? How do you raise your kids? How does that work? And we see the example with Solomon is this is exactly what God was warning about because Solomon took these wives and they got him into idol worship, took him away from God. Exactly what God was warning about in verse 4, that they will take you away from me because God is your number one priority. That is your number one relationship because without that relationship, no other relationship will work. You have to have that strong foundation. And we see with Solomon that he fell because he drifted away from God because he failed to yield this warning. So last week, we uh, were talking about David, and we're going to go back and talk about David some more because we're going to continually using him as an example, but looking at another relationship that he had. And uh, if you still had your Bible marked from last week, all you got to do is turn over one page, and we're going to look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18, and we'll start in verse 1. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking to Saul, and the soul of Jonathan was guilt with the, with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him to that day, and he would let him go no more home to his father's house. And Jonathan and David made a covenant, because he loved him as he loved his own soul. And Jonathan stripped him, Himself of his role that was upon him, and gave it to David, and his garments, and even his sword, and his bow, and even his girdle. All right, so why is this important? We look at the people that we align ourselves with. Have you ever been? In a, a situation where you found yourself 
down and out. And then you look around and the people that you call yourself their, your friends that you think you can rely on, you look and they're nowhere to be found. Because at that, that moment, things aren't good anymore. That there's no more of a, a give and take. That they're not getting anything from it. In fact, now that to support you during this time, they may have to put more into it. They may have to compromise some part of their selves to be able to support you through that time. We call that a fair weather friend. Now we look at, at Jonathan. Now Jonathan is the son of Saul. And uh, we know that God made Saul king. And because of actions that Saul was doing, he was bringing forth a new king, which was going to be David. And you know, as we go on, we see how Saul becomes jealous of David. He tries to kill David that they are just not getting along. And Jonathan is the son of Saul. So we see that the son of the current king that's on his way out is kindling a grand friendship with the man that is soon to be the new king. Now what's the significance in this? Now, first of all, we're down here in the south and we ring true to things like the blood is thicker than water and we have a strong alliance with family. And we see that Jonathan is not following family alliance. And the reason that is, is because his dad, Saul, he's, he's been wrong. He's been wrong. He's no longer aligned with God. He's no longer following God's instruction. He's became into it for himself, for his own pleasure and power. He's doing what he wants to do and no longer what God wants to do. And Jonathan sees that. Jonathan also knows that David has a heart for God. He can see that. He can see God radiating from David. He understands why God would choose a man like this. So he's not letting his feelings dictate who he should be aligning with. Also, too, Jonathan would have loss in this. Because if we think about how the system would work, we have Saul, and if Saul would have remained in power, and it come time when he would pass on, Jonathan would have been the king. Again, there's more reason for him to dislike David. 
But yet, he follows God. He has faith in God. He believes in what God is saying. And therefore, he supports David. And this is another subject that is taking well out of context and to support other other means. But we see that the things that he does, he gives him his robe. And if you look back to the, uh, the lost son that we talked about just not too long ago, we see that when he came back home, the father put on his robe, gave him his robe to put on him. He gave him his ring. He gave him sandals. Because all these is more than just closing a body. It's more than just adorning things. In this time, in this culture, it had meaning. When you are walking around with the head person's robe, that means you have authority. When you have the sandals, that means you are allowed to be there and go wherever you need to go. When you have the ring, that is the same thing as having the key. That is the seal. That is the stamp. And we see that Jonathan is doing the same thing for David. He's giving him his robe. He's giving him his sword. And when people see this, they recognize this as the king's son. And people see that he is putting his support and he is putting his authority onto this man, David. He is selfishly giving to David so he can further his mission that God has given him. Now, what about all of us? What do we do? Who are we aligning ourselves with as our equals? The people that we're putting to the left and right of us. That's walking with us. We look at our, our church situation. And we see these mega churches. Most oftentimes they're non-denominational. They are accepting. Now, anyone in any condition is free to walk through those doors behind us. Any condition, any situation, free to walk through them doors. That is where we're alike. We welcome anyone that wants to come in. But the difference is, here, we are not going to compromise. We are not going to skirt around. We are not going to change. We are not going to alter. 
We are only going to teach the absolute, true Word of God. And that's where we differ. Because when we are only teaching the true Word of God, sometimes people are going to get their feelings hurt. Sometimes they are going to get offended. Sometimes they're going to leave. And whenever you have thousands of people sitting in front of you, listening to your words, you have a duty to speak the truth. And when you go on TV and you're speaking to millions, you have a duty to speak the truth. You have to take that opportunity. You have to seize it. You have to let God's truth come out. It can't be skirted around. We can't be worried about feelings. So when someone's asked a direct question about how does God feel about this subject, there is only one clear and precise answer is what the Word of God says in full, in detail, without sugarcoating it or altering it, without having the feelings be your primary concern. We need people on the left and right of us that's going to say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. We need people on the left or right of us that's going to pick us up and uplift us when things start going wrong. Everyone today is worried about feelings. If we don't like something, we just take it away. We can't keep doing that. All we're doing is falling harder and deeper. Because we need to start looking at one thing and one thing only. Does this align with the Word of God? That should be the only filter that we need to worry about. We don't need to worry about how it makes us feel. We don't need to worry about how it makes others feel. We need to worry about, does this align with the Word of God? And if it doesn't, then that's when something needs to go. If it doesn't, then that's when we need to make a change. And that's why we need strong people on either side of us. We need people that's going to say, hey, what you're doing is not aligned with the Word of God. And here's why. Here's what God says about this. And we need people that's going to lift us up. Because change is hard. Difficulties is hard. You know, I think back to the, the lost son story again. You know, I can imagine that when he first went off and he had all that money and he was 
partying and entertaining and, and buying things for his friends. That he had people upon people surrounding him constantly. You know, if you ever come with them a large sum of money, you win the lottery or something like that, there'll be people coming and contacting you that you've never even seen before and heard of that want to be next to you, but not because of who you are, but because of what you can do. How can it benefit them? And many times that's what we look at. We don't look at the person. We don't look at their qualities. We don't look at their walk with God. We look at what can they do for us. And then whenever that source has dried up, then we don't need them any longer. They don't need us any longer. That's the thing about God. He's there when we want him to be. He's there when we're pushing him away. He's there when we're mocking him. He's there when we're cursing his name. He's there when we don't believe. He's there when we don't have faith. He's there when we don't love him back. He's there. Because he loves us. You know, we often want to work and do and, and show God how, how what we can do. And the fact is that God doesn't need us, but we need him. I don't know. Before we talk about in the beginning, God's always been. God was there before we were. You know, and God is content with himself. But God had love and he wanted a family. So he created us. He gave his son for us. And we do Nothing back in return. Who are you bringing with you? We want to be popular. We want to be big. We want to be important. What we start looking at is quality. And not quantity. Because it doesn't matter if every seat is full. If they're not getting the truth. If they're not having a change. If they're not leading to have a change of heart. To have Jesus come inside. Then it's all for nothing. There's going to be churches that's going to have lots and lots of people that is not going to make it to heaven because they're afraid to say the hard things that might hurt someone's feelings. They are people that's not having 
the abundant life. We can look at our world and see this is evident of it. With everything that we are experiencing right now is a total and complete lack of following the word of God. That is what's wrong with the world today. It has nothing to do with leadership, with pandemics, with anything. It's a lack of following the word of God. Because if that was our concentration, if that's what we put forward first, then everything else would fall into place. But we choose to please. We choose to be self-serving. And we're not standing up for God. And then when we do, when we stand up for what's right, we're, we're labeled, called intolerant, called phobic. And nobody don't like to not belong. Nobody don't like to be disliked. But there's only one relationship that matters, and that's what God thinks of us. And it may seem like that you're all alone. It may seem like that you're the only one that thinks this way. But as long as you're thinking the way God thinks, that's all that matters. So it might be thin to the right and the left, but let it be righteous. Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to 